Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. Each week, I bring you the individual stories of individuals and organizations making a difference in your community. I believe everyone has a story that is unique, just like our fingerprints that put us on the paths and the journeys of our lives and some fine purpose. Every story can help heal, inspire, educate. And my big word of all is to give hope. Today, my guest is Nick Baker. He died but he's alive. He died of a drug overdose. In the 2020 year, we have been challenged and we still deal with challenges on so many different levels. And suicide is one, but drug overdose is another. And he is going to share with us what life was like and what life is like now. He had a division one scholarship for football, being an NFL prospect, got injured and drug abuse ended his football career. And To add to that, he also, in his heart and in his mind, had to deal with the loss of his brother passing away in 2008 from a motorcycle accident. The loss of a loved one, always, being that I have been through this, is a heavy, heavy weight to hold. So that put him down, addiction, and trying to figure out who he was when he had gotten lost, which that will come into our conversation as to the nonprofit organization he founded. I'll let him tell you more. He is 14 years Excuse me, he is sober as of March 16th, 2018 from drugs. Please help me welcome my guest today, Nick Baker. Welcome, Nick. Thank you for having me, Christine. Thank you for having me. It's such a such a wonderful person to have a conversation with. So I uh, I am truly grateful for having you on, uh, having me on your show and uh, getting an opportunity to uh, speak some hope, faith and courage to uh, to those that are still out there sick and suffering or just lost and disconnected. Absolutely. You know, Nick, there's a lot of people out there and sometimes I get lost. You know, there's there's not a day where we smile every day that we don't go through all those different emotions. And so I am hoping that you'll give some some light on this because we know that in the situations that we have been in that have exploded, I keep referring to as exploded from the 2020 year on so many different levels, drug addiction um, was on a high as well as suicide. Um, before I get actually into how you got in how you got addicted to the drugs already having mentioned that you um, had been an NFL prospect. I want to, it's very important to my heart. So I'm sorry. I get a little choked up here. I want you to tell me a little bit about your brother and please tell me his name. Yes, absolutely. So my brother is Christopher Joseph Baker and he was just such a light in everybody's life. Um, My role model, my older brother, uh, he was someone that you could always count on. He was always there. He lived life to the fullest every single day. Um, He didn't sleep much. He could sleep on a picket fence, but he was was just always involved with helping either family or or, um, going towards his career. He wanted to be a firefighter. So he just had, he had love in his heart and... um, and watching him grow up as a kid, he was just always busy. He was always doing something. And uh, he had the nice car, all the girlfriends, the money. And he was re- he lived fast. He was like rock and roll to me as a kid. And I was like, yes, that's what I want. And, uh, you know, it was so funny how, how our uh, career paths ended up going. I always thought my brother would, um, like, go to college and, and pursue um, – pursue uh, athletics and he was really good at soccer and uh and I was going to kind of be like the union guy that kind of just went to work and I think uh, my freshman year I ended up telling um 
my uh, high school advisor, like, I don't need to worry about school. <laughs> I'm going to go into the Marine Corps. So don't, don't worry about me. Okay. And uh, it, it turned out that, you know, it was the exact opposite that my brother w- went to the working class really quickly. And, um, and then I went off to school. And so um, it was amazing how we mirrored each other in our, um, in our path in life. And I still remember um, after he passed away, uh, his girlfriend's family came to the house and it was, it was the night of that he, uh, he had passed. And um, his girlfriend's mother uh, came up to me and she gave me a hug and she said, I just want to let you know how much he idolized you. And like that, just, I crumbled right there. Cause I, ne- I didn't know that. I did not know that. And uh, uh, we were each other's idols. Uh, he always made sure that I had enough money to stay in school never wanted me to work. Was always trying to further my football career any way he could with whatever kind of advice he had. Um, but always let me know like, Hey, just keep playing ball. Just keep playing ball. And, um, that was my brother. That was my big brother, my big little brother, actually. Cause I am, he's probably about five eleven, and I'm like six, four. He's got like all, all of skin. He's got the French, uh, French, Irish, English, and, and I'm just an Irish kid, just pale. So, uh, he looked like the mailman's son. <laughs> Funny. Thank you for sharing Christian with us. I love hearing about people that I didn't meet, but they were important to you. And I always tell everyone, share their name. Don't, don't hide who they were, um, when they were alive because they're still alive in you. Right. Yes. And that goes with what we're going to talk about today. And um, so we had mentioned that your brother passed away in 2008. So tell me more about this career you had that or the career you thought, which wasn't going to be the military. You've already established that that brought you down the uh, the road of destruction on drug abuse. Yes. Yes. So uh, football was my connection to this world. Um, just being a part of a team, something greater than myself was something that was, was, um, everything I was looking for. So in high school, I became a pretty good athlete. Um, and then, uh, I got the opportunity to go to college and from college, that was where I really found like, okay, this is my purpose. This is my direction. This is what I'm supposed to do. It came so very easily. And after, um, being nominated as an MVP, um, in high school and a junior college, which is pretty much a collective group of a bunch of MVPs from around the country. Now I'm playing football with kids from Georgia, Florida, Alabama, and um, and we all came together and we ended up having two back-to-back undefeated seasons, uh, two back-to-back championship seasons, um, really, really good. And uh, that was my connection. And uh, going through, going into my sophomore season, that's when my brother had passed away. Mm-hmm. And that is what kept me alive was that connection to this team, to this, to this, to this thing that was greater than myself. And it was breathing, it was breathing life into me. And that's when it became uh, always my plan, my plan A. And uh, my mom used to say, Nick, well, what's your plan B? I said, no, my plan B is to reinforce plan A. I'm (laughs) going to the, I'm going to play pro football. This is where I'm going. And um, I had some accolades to prove it out, you know, uh, getting to go to college and then division one scholarship, you know, my, my dream, I played football from, uh, from being knee high all the way up until I'm uh, making that division one scholarship. And I had made it, I had arrived, you know, all the hard work was paying off. And, um, and then an injury resulted an injury from weightlifting and getting ready for season, uh, resulted in me, uh, being hooked on painkillers. And then very quickly after that, um, 
having nothing and walking away from that full ride scholarship. Mm, there went your plan B mom told you to plan for. <laughs> I should have stayed in school. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I laugh about it, but I know where this gets going too. It's, yeah. You do hear people say, so if you're not going to go to college, what are you going to do? All these pressures of what are you can do when you grow up? And now you're like, well, plan B wasn't planned. And now I don't know where I'm going to go. <laughs> so you went down a long road to where you actually, a, uh, a moment in time where you you died. Tell yes. us about how that came up to that point and and uh, the recovery of it. Yes. So so walking away from that scholarship, I didn't realize what I was walking away from, and that was my connection. That was my connection to my identity. That was my connection to my family. That was my connection to love. That was literally my life support, and I had walked away from that. And uh, what happens when you get on painkillers, in my experience, is it fixed more than the pain that I was feeling physically. It took care of the pain in my heart. And that, that went on, and that pain just grew and grew and grew. And they say that the opposite of addiction is connection. And what I did for the next um, almost 10 years was I just grew in disconnection. And as that disconnection grew, that hole in my heart grew because now I had walked away from a career. I had uh, had a hole in the heart from the loss of my brother. I had some trauma growing up as a child. I had all these things start to grow and grow and grow. The spiritual malady with inside of me kept growing. And with that growing, I had to continue to find a better way of numbing that and quieting that. So that went on for a long time. And it all comes to a head September 2nd of 2017, where um, my nephew, my family, my sister, my mother find me in my room where I'm overdosing on uh, fentanyl. And, and um, my on purpose? Nephew, no, no, just uh, accidental. Okay. And so um, my little nephew is a little miracle because no one would have ever knocked on my door after being out all night. And so he says, Mimi, you know, I think I hear Uncle Nick in the room. And um, there I am on my side for God knows how long and um, not doing good. Mm-hmm. The paramedics come and they, they start to rush me to the hospital. And on my way, my heart stops several times and they just can't get it to come back. And when I'm in the uh, Brockton Hospital ICU, uh, they come out and tell my parents, you know, you're going to have to get his affairs in order. He's in pretty tough shape, whatever he's taken. We don't, we don't know what it is, but it, it continually stopping his heart. And, um, and that was, that was September 2nd. That was September 2nd that the day that my heart stopped. And I believe that I, I died, you know, because the, the life that I'm living right now is the dream that I always wanted to live. Like the, the house that I have, the, the truck that I have, the things that I get to do materialistically, it's cool. But the, the love that I have within my heart for relationships like I'm living the dream now. And I, I truly believe that September 2nd of 2017, I died and was reborn into this altruistic uh, image of uh, something greater. And it's so simple because I was just meant to give this whole time. And um, so anyways, that day unfolds and uh, I come, I wake up out of the coma and um, I end up uh, looking at my parents for the first time in the corner of the room, looking back at me. And I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. Oh, I'm in trouble. Like I, I didn't, I was completely disorientated. I didn't know what was happening, but I had, I, the look on their face, like no words could tell of the loneliness and despair that I found in that moment of bitter morass and self-pity. Right. 
like I had slid so far down the scale at this point in time that how am I going to get out of this one? You know, and I was just completely lost in that moment. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm hanging on my right arm is, is barely hanging on. They had to do some emergency surgery to, to save that. And, um, you know, a couple of days go by, they moved me up to the regular part of the hospital. And, uh, while I'm there, I have the quirkiest roommate ever, just such a quirky guy and couldn't be any further from the spectrum for me. Right. So <laughs> at this point in time, I am a 10 year heroin addict, uh, oxys, whatever drugs, you know, I could get my hands on to kill the pain. Sure. Um, I have been on a 10 year run and, uh, I just come out of a coma. Uh, my arm is hanging on by a thread. Uh, and I am terrified. <laughs> and on the uh, right-hand side is my neighbor. And he is a professor at one of the local universities, Bridgewater State College. Mm-hmm. And um, he cut his thumb on a trash can and it got infected. And he was coming in for surgery. And like, we couldn't be any further from each other on the spectrum, right? But, but God put this common thread between us. And that was the love for history. I'm a huge history guy. I love war history. And me and this guy start talking history all night. And uh, it's late. It's late in the night. And uh, I can't sleep because I just died and I'm scared. And, and he's going in for thumb surgery the next day. So he can't sleep because he's scared. <laughs> so, <laughs> laughing. But it's a great connection right there, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, so we're sitting there and he asked me, hey, young man, what are you doing here? And f- I don't know what it was. But for the first time in about 10 years, I got honest and I I told this complete stranger everything about what just unfolded. Wow. And I I said, listen, I'm lost. I am freaking lost in life and I am, I'm losing this battle to drugs and alcohol. And I just died. Wow. And the room gets quiet and um, he goes, can I ask you some questions about that? And I said, yeah, sure. And he goes, well, when you died, did you have one of those near death experiences? Did you see the light? And, um, as he's starting to ask me a couple more questions, I'm starting to relive what I thought was this dream where I find myself moving through this field and I'm not like walking, but I'm moving. And it's like these tall, tall grains, tall stalks of grain, like wheat grain and I'm moving and I can feel the stalks in the top of my right hand. And it's like a warm golden glow. And I can feel it more than I can see it. It's like, it's like my sensation of feeling is actually my sight and I'm just moving. And it's, uh, I get this thought that where am I going and what am I doing here? Mm. And in a snap, every fiber of my being said, everything is going to be all right and everything is going to be okay. And I don't know how much longer I kept moving for, but I, I remember coming back and reaching for what felt like a vacuum hose in my throat. That's what I, I liken it to. Was it just felt like I was, it was a vacuum cleaner and I'm struggling, I'm struggling. And I, I'm telling him this and uh, the room goes quiet. And he goes, you want to know why I asked you that? And I said, yeah, sure. And um, he goes, four months ago, my son hung himself. Mm. I, I found him. Mm-mm. And after I found him and cut him down, the only thing I wanted to know was my son going to be all right and was my son going to be okay. Right. And those were the words that God God gave me to give that guy. And in that moment, we gave each other the most precious gift. Absolutely. You know, 
because I had slid so far down the scale that how am I going to help anybody anymore? I just died. Right. And here's this guy having to cut his son down. Mm-hmm. And all he wants to know is my son. All right. And my, was my son. Okay. Right. And that was the very message that was given to me that day. And it didn't stick right then, you know, because it was a lot of trauma that I had to still continue to overcome. But that was the beginning of seeing that no matter how far on the scale I slide, it's my experience within this, this experience of life that is what benefits others and what helps others. And um, I like to tell that story everywhere I go because I'm hoping that it makes it back to him someday and that we can go for that cup of coffee that we were meant to have oh, yeah. some, some three, four years ago now. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's getting closer. It's getting closer. <laughs> to him. And I'm, I'm so excited for the day that it makes it to his doorstep and we get to sit down because he saved my life that day. You probably saved his too. Because I'll tell you from being a parent, um, and I have a son as well, when you're so focused, as you mentioned, losing a child is it's heavy. It's hard. It really is. Um, I make it look easy <laughs> when people see me, but it's still a heaviness in my heart. It will be until the day I take my last breath. I have actually known individuals who have taken their own lives after losing their children. So that's why I said to you, you may have just saved his life too. And I will be honest because that's how I am. That did cross my mind. But then that was one of those things that goes through the grief process because I still have my son. And that's the focus that people forget that there's more than just what's in front of you. There's a lot around us that people just walk around and take for granted. Right. So I think you guys both saved each other's lives. That's a beautiful story. And I, I have a final question here, but I wanted to, I wanted to know more now because I know what you went through as you just shared what it was like then, but now what is it like now? Because you actually founded a nonprofit organization of your own. Please share with us what that is. And the name of it is so good. Yes. Yes. So what it is, is uh, it's called lost ones found, right? So it's just my little play on words Um, through service to others. um, I have found a purpose-driven life. I have found a community. I have found that locker room again. And uh, what we're doing right now is we're, we're developing the concept of bridging the gap between treatment centers for substance abuse, uh, mental health disorder and a purpose-driven life. And I have found that that bridge is built on service. And that's what we're looking to do is just connect the two. So we're looking to uh, put together a, uh, a gym, yoga studio, uh, 12-step meeting hall, all in one, but then most importantly, opportunities for service, for people to come and get involved because that's how I have found my purpose and direction in life. It, and it was founded through um, community service hours. So I was, <laughs> I was such a great kid that the court system gave me community service hours. So when I landed in Arizona to take care of some wreckage of my past, I showed up to the Aris Foundation's Tuesday night event to take care of the homeless in Tempe. And I showed up there and eight months before that, I'm in a coma. An hour before that, I'm lost. And I have no idea where I'm heading in life, right? And I show up there to just take care of some community service hours and boom, my purpose was revealed to what I was supposed to be doing in life and that is to serve others. So through that event and through the love of what I call my cactus mom, Catherine, she is my cactus mom out here. She has helped me find purpose and direction in life and it's to serve, it's to give back. Um, and the more you give, the more you have. So 
through that. I have seen it work in my life and bring me back from the depths of my addiction. You know, because like I said before, you know, it's, we slide so far down the scale. And God put me in this park to show me, hey, listen, the people that you're of benefit to, of maximum service to, are right in front of you. This is this is your flock, you know, tend to, tend to my sheep. And I was just, ever since then, it's been uh, three years ago that I, uh, I went to show up to do some community service hours. And then just a year ago, I uh, founded my own foundation. And uh, now I'm on the board for, um, for uh, obviously, Lost Ones Found, I'm the president, CEO. And then for the Iris Foundation, I'm the chief operations officer. So we organize everything that we need to, uh, to give back love on Tuesday nights in Tempe, Arizona. So before I ask my final question, I want you to provide us the information, contact information for both those organizations, because I know that is a resource in our community. Yes. So first, most important is the Aris Foundation. Without the Aris, I would not have any purpose and direction in life. So it is on Facebook, Aris Foundation. Um, our website is arisfoundation.com. And Instagram, it's Aris Foundation at Aris Foundation. So real, real simple. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and that's spelled and then, A-R-I-S. Yes. A-R-I-S. And, um, and then for my foundation, it's lost ones found AZ on Facebook, lost ones found AZ on Instagram and lost ones found dot L I V E live is our website. And through there we keep, uh, our um, our viewers up to date on where we're going, who we're serving, what we're doing, and then how they can get involved with giving back. Perfect. Um, and I know I'm running out of time because I want to make sure I answer the la- ask the last questions. But through finding your purpose and direction, you also are now you have a mantra, and you also go and speak as a speaker to the Williamsfield High School, and it's titled Self selflessness above selfishness yes that is awesome and you're touching teenagers you're you're touching fresh minds well a little bit of corruption is put in there with you know the egos that we talk about in high school or the things we're trying to figure out who we are as kids but i love that selflessness above selfishness Try and say that time three times fast. That that's a difficult one, but I, I admire you for doing that and the audience in which you are trying to reach because the youth is the ones that need to be programmed in the right direction, not at a later time in their life where they're taking the programming that they had that was negative when they were growing up and turning it around and having gone through all those trials and errors that you have gone through and other people have gone through and that, and that have, could have taken your life and some have taken their lives because of that. So thank you for doing that. So my final yes, question, thank you. my final question is this, what message would you like to leave based on your journey of your life or that the, uh, the losing life and now you have been reborn could you repeat that question one mm-hmm. more time what message would you like to leave everyone based on your your journey your life journey so it's a beautiful quote uh that i got out of the book a simple path by mother Teresa, and that is we can accomplish something extraordinary by doing something ordinary with love just one day at a time. Mm. And I showed up to the park to do something ordinary. 
and I got an extraordinary desire for life. And uh, it's all because of love. So powerful four letter word. And believe. You have to believe in yourself too. No one else can make you believe in yourself. You got to figure that out. That's powerful too. Thank you for that message. And thank you for being my guest today and sharing the journey and the story of your uh, roommate in the hospital that changed both of your lives. And like you said, it's getting close as far as meeting him. I'm a firm believer because you and I are proof of this one right now. We talked on the phone prior to us today, but I got an, I got the opportunity to meet you unexpectedly a couple of days ago. So when something's meant to be, it will be, right? So yes. thank you for being my guest today and sharing your story. Thank you so, so much, Christine. It's been so wonderful. And uh, it's been a blessing to, uh, to meet you on this journey of life. Yes, thank you, Nick. And to my listeners, there you have it. Another incredible story of someone's life and the change that it made in him and the people he is in contact with to this day. You just never know who you're going to meet and what story you're going to share that's going to change someone's life. And this wasn't just Nick's changing the people we are around, but he had someone change his life just being next to him in a room where they both had fear. So don't let fear keep you from being your best and finding your purpose. If you have a story you want to share, know someone who has a story or you have an organization in your community making a difference, email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com or visit me on my webpage at christinehotchkiss.com and you'll learn more about who Christine is. Until next time, everyone, I wish you well and you take care.